Okay. I'd like to uh, say something about the discussion. between Moshe Rabbeinu between Moshe Rabbeinu and uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu about the future of Klal I mean, it's, uh, to us it's incomprehensible that after a decision had been made in heaven that man could argue it they argue against the divine decision. HaKadosh Baruch said, Okay, the time has come to destroy B'nai Yisrael. And Moshe Rabbeinu argues. And the argument, in some way, works. B'nai Yisrael is not destroyed. Alright, there, there are certain punishments and, and there's, a, uh, there's a tremendous psychological aspect to the punishment. The last possible character on Lavid Bay is not, you don't have it on the sheet, but I just remind you the last possible character on Lavid Bay says this. It's not on the sheet, but it says this. After Kodesh Baruch was agreed to allow B'nai Yisrael to live. And then there's, a, there's this idea which we found also in the parish of Bishpatim. One second. Whoever sinned will be punished. And then a Kodesh Baruch says this. In other words, go down and tell them that they're going to go to Eretz Yisrael. But the general pshat is Malachi Yelech. Malachi, my angel. That, that there's some sort of a diminution of the relationship. That originally a Kodesh Baruch was supposed to bring them to Eretz Yisrael, and now Malachi, even though the Malach does what God tells him to do, so nevertheless, there's different. There's a difference between being led by a Kodesh Baruch to Eretz Yisrael and led by a Malach to Eretz Yisrael. Like not having been led by either, right? Uh, I, I can't quite grasp that, you know, personally, like actually. But 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 it sounds like there's a difference, right? There's a difference between the presence of God or, or being in the presence of an angel, even though the result is the same, right? So you know that because in the Torah process is everything. It's not just you know, it's it's like the mitzvah is from from the beginning to the end. It's not just the result. Well that's a different a different conversation. Then in that pasuk HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Biyom pokdi ufokadeti alehem chatatam. Biyom pokdi means, when I remember. When, when, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers B'nai Yisrael. Ufokadeti alehem chatatam. I will remember the chet. And Rashi explains it exactly that way. Rashi says, 
that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, don't think that this arrangement between us satisfies heaven. But the Cheta Egev is not atoned for and is carried along in history with Am Yisrael. And whenever, this is what I'll tell you what Rashi says, whenever B'nai Yisrael are going to be punished in history, a little bit extra will be added on to that punishment to pay the debt of the Cheta Egev. Pay the debt of the Cheta Egev. We would call that you know, in, in our language, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was kind of placing, uh, uh, creating a, a, a psychology of B'nai Yisrael. I mean, they're always worried. They always have the Cheta Egel with them. Because even though they were not destroyed, they were also not atoned. So how did Moshe Rabbeinu accomplish it? How is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu managed to change the, the din, the judgment of heaven, from immediate and total punishment, to beyond pakdiu fakadit. That the Kodesh Baruch says, okay, it's there, but it's not. So at the height of the argument, Moshe Rabbeinu says this remarkable thing. And this is on the sheet. We'll go through the sheet. V'atayv tisachatata. This is a kind of elliptical state, uh, sentence. I'm not sure what that means, but this is elliptical. Elliptical means like, you know, like jump off a cliff in the middle of the sentence. Like, instead of it going smoothly, it goes like this. You know, like that's, that's an elliptical sentence. So listen to what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Atah. Says, now that we've concluded our discussion, he says to heaven, there's the heaven, now, in Tisachatata means laseit eta to bear the burden of the of the sin, which is another way of saying if you forgive them. But but now we know from the from the end of what the Kodesh Baruch said that, <coughs> that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't demand and that we have the same shot. But Moshe Rabbeinu didn't demand that God forgave them, forgive them, because Moshe Rabbeinu knew that that was not one of the options. I was not going to forgive. But Tisachatata means if you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, would bear the burden of the people with the chait. Right? Which is not exactly the same as atonement. Right? Because Moshe Rabbeinu, I think, knew that atonement was not an option. You can't just wipe it out. The chait ha'edel. Then the, the elliptical part is Vimayim, which means, and if you don't, it's Moshe Rabbeinu talking to God. If you bear the burden of the sin, okay. But if you don't, erase me, erase my name, I guess, from the book which you have written. So about this, this is a mystery. You know, it's always annoying when you understand the words. When you understand the words, there's no hope. If there's a pasuk, you're learning a pasuk in Eov, and you don't understand the words, so there's hope. Because if somebody will come and explain the words to you, you'll know what it says. But when you understand the words and you don't understand what it says, 
the situation is hopeless. So here we understand all the words, we don't understand anything in this, what kind of thing, how can it be feigning love? What Sefer are we talking about? We only know about one Sefer. The Sefer Abris, that's the Torah. <coughs> it's part of the Torah, all of the Torah. It's the only Sefer we know about. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, Moshe Rabbeinu is like the editor, like the copy editor of the, of the Torah. And he says, Erase me b'sifrecha asher katakta. So what does it mean? So this mystery has been dealt with over the generations. Well, look at Rashi. <coughs> Rashi. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still coughing. That's true. Right? You see the Rashi? He says, if you bear the burden of their sin, so you don't have to erase me from the book. But if you don't, erase me. I mean, like, we don't know whether this is a, an argument in favor of B'nai Israel or Moshe Rabbeinu's pick. Like he says, what do you mean, you're not going to listen to me? I don't want to, I want to have a deal. But I don't want to be involved. Rashi then says, means that there are words that have to be added to the Pasuk in order to understand it properly. Okay? Then Rashi says, So what book are we talking about? The Rashi says two things. Erase me from the Sefer Torah. Even though everybody has a kasher, there was no Sefer Torah then. But it doesn't matter. Moshe Rabbeinu and Arsina, after all, he knew that there was a Sefer Torah. So he meant that whatever the final edition of the Sefer Torah, leave me out. I don't want to be in the Torah. Right? Shalom HaYitikadev, because then everybody will know, everybody will know that I failed. If you leave me out, I'm out of the story. So they saw a fad, there was a fad, there was a punishment, there was nothing to do with me. <coughs> now, why would that argument have an effect on a Kurdish Bible? I haven't got a clue. I don't understand. I don't understand what Rashi thinks is going on. Now, let's look at the Rashbab. Rashbab is Rashi's grandson. Rashbam is Rashi's inheritor, a continuer. Rashi says, I'm sorry, Rashbam says, Sefer Chayim Hashem Katafta. You know about a Sefer Chayim? You know about that Sefer Chayim? So look at the Balei Atosus. There's a, 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 a parish, uh, a collection of Perushim by the Baleatos, of which the Rashbam was one, but the Perush of the Baleatos is not the Rashbam, it's, you know, others. Perush Shakuntras we call our Torah, Kashem. So the Baleatos say, there's, still, there's no Torah in the world, what Torah is he going to get erased from? Who's the Rashbam? That's what we just read before, right? The minutes before? The Rashbam. The Rashbam is Rashi's grandson. Rashi's grandson said, not Sefer Torah, <coughs> that's indefensible, but Sefer Chayim. But he doesn't say about, he doesn't say Rashi. He doesn't say Rashi said this, I say that. But that's what he meant. He meant Rashi said this, and I say that. That's what he meant to say. Shaddam Nihtav Bo 
בראש השנה ונגזר עליו, שזה גמור, ראש השנה, דף ט"ז עומד עליו. על ראש השנה, everybody gets a space in one of the books. There's a book of life, and there's a book of not such life, right? And so Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I want to die. But he had to say it in an elegant manner. Erase me from the book. What book? Sefer HaChayim. Okay. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, I guess I thought that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would understand what he was saying. So he didn't have to say it Beferush. Bechol v'dikzar la v'miyamud. Im yichyeh. So people die and they get erased from the book because they're not, they're not on deck for anything. They're not on deck for life, they're not on deck for death because they died. And so this is a way of saying, I want to die. I mean, if I can't save my people, if I can't do the job, then I might as well die. אשר כתבת אל הצדיקים שהצית דרכים נכתבים לחיים. ומכל מקום קשורי. Right, this is the, this, again, what did the Baritos do? They explained the Rashbam. The Rashbam said Sefer Chayim, but he didn't say which Sefer Chayim. The Baritos explained it's the Sefer Chayim, the well-known Sefer Chayim of Rosh Hashanah. Okay? And then he goes on and he says, Mikovakov Kashali. Still I don't understand. Khasma Shalom Shalaya Moshe Bitbalel Shiemachlu Sefer Chaim. That sounds like Moshe Rabbeinu. Akarish Bahu put him into the Sefer Chaim, so he's gonna argue and say, Take me out of the Sefer Chaim. Baliatosus can't understand it. Lochayan ni elifarish hachi. Vimayin Bekhainina Ani Libadi. Kiliha onish Veloyli Israel. So he has a nice idea. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu says, which is a sagino, a nice way of saying, let me die, because I haven't been successful. Well, why should they be punished? Obviously, I wasn't able to educate them. I wasn't able to direct them. So, punish me? Why punish them? And I will prove to you, so he divides it up. That Moshe Rabbeinu says, Bechaini na. means punish me and don't punish them. And then he says, and misifrecha is something else. It's not. He says, misifrecha means I will prove to you that din imchosh, ena din imchala nisham, that you shouldn't punish them. Zarei amarta, lo taselecha pesel, velo amarta, lo taselechem. Imagine that. That God, after all this, said, do not make a graven image in singular. But the Tosser didn't say, you, the community, can't make a graven image. So you'd say, you know, the Gemara says, there's such a thing as a Calva Homer. <laughs> now, why would you think that one guy shouldn't do it by himself, but ten people together could do it? I mean, it's like uh, <laughs> So in other you can learn from the Ta'amim. Ta'amim uh, give you hints as to the syntactical structure of the Pasuk, right? Okay, we've did it, we've done it. That's the Baliatosot. So the Baliatosot is a continuation of the parish of, of the Rashbam, right? The Baliatosot is a continuation of the parish of the Rashbam. 
Now another tack is the Ramban. The Ramban says this. The Shon Rashi. The third sentence. You see the third sentence? The fourth word, Imkain. Machula Shiva Khurishbahu, Miyashatali and Khadami Sifri. So the Rabbad refer, uh, 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 refers to Pasuk Lamed Gimel. You look on top. Yahweh Hashem HaMoshe Be'eshech HaTali Ha'ad Sifra Be'sifri You know, if it's true as Rashi said that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to be erased from the Torah or if it's true as the Rashbam said that, that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to be erased from the Sefer HaKayim So what kind of answer is that? Why is it going to say No, I'm not going to erase you I'm going to erase them What's the... That wasn't the issue. They said, not who, who gets erased. The issue was only Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Rabban says, I don't understand. No one else is in the book except Moshe Rabbeinu. So maybe it doesn't mean, but it means I'll wipe them out somehow. Rabbi Avraham, that's the Ibn Ezra. Kim Sifrachasha Katafta. Kabodina Yati, Visafrin, Manich, Visafrin, Patihu, that the din is, is waiting and the books are open, Apostle Daniel, Vasfarim, Lidato, Hain, Marachoda, Shamayim, Shadik Zarota, Shvalim, Vahalavian, Bahem. That Sefer Chayim also refers to God's plan. The way it's going to be. So that, again, Moshe Rabbeinu says, let me die. The first 3,000 people were killed were the ones who were actively involved in the Chayta Ego. But all the other people were having a good time. You know, they were there was a big party and they were running around drinking beer. They were auxiliary Chayta Ego people. But uh, it's true that you can't bring people to justice about what they think. But, you, but in heaven they can. So I thought says, that's what, that's what we'll be, right? So finally he says, It's five lines from the bottom. Ki muvada ne'eragim b'cherub b'nei levi. Four lines from the bottom. The last two words. Ki Moshe Amar. V'atam tisachatatam v'rachamech. Moshe Rabbeinu says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you will exercise mercy, v'nayin mecheinina tachtam v'sefer hachayim v'esbol ani onsham. If you don't have mercy on them, punish me and let me do it. So there's... What? So these are the ideas that Moshe Rabbeinu is asking to be punished instead of B'nai Yisrael. Okay, why would that work? I don't know. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Ramban says, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do the chait. They did the chait. So why should Moshe Rabbeinu be punished for what they did? And why should the punishment of Moshe Rabbeinu be compensation for what they did? So we don't know what the idea is. But beyond that, we don't know what the idea is. We don't know what the safer is and what the word mecheni, to erase me, means. We don't really have a, a, a clue here. So you have to turn over the page. If you turn over the page, all the questions will be answered. I'll give you the mouth of the three.
And we'll go right to we'll go right to Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman of Bratzlev was the great son of the Baal Shem Tov, right? And uh, has achieved a kind of nouveau uh, popularity today because somebody stitched the letters Na Nach Nachman on a yarmulke, and this became this became a great thing. Bratzlev is one of the only Hasiduyot in the world where belonging doesn't mean that you actually belong to anything. It just means that you wear that yarmulke. Right? Or, you know, it's like curious. But you know that since Rav Nachman Braslav died, there was no Rebbe. There's no Rebbe in, in Braslav. So that's why they were called the Toyta Hasidim. You know, they were the, the Hasidim, the dead Hasidim. They, they had a Rebbe who was dead, which has advantages, I imagine, <laughs> but, but also has certain disadvantages, right? Uh, so, so Braslav was actually on its way to disappearing <coughs> until the 1950s, where there was a rejuvenation of Braslav in America, in New York, in Brooklyn, and in Eretz Yisrael. And Eretz Yisrael. Now, people have always expressed curiosity about the Torahs of Rabbi Nachman. Because when you learn a Torah of Rabbi Nachman, you see immediately that he was a great genius and was very knowledgeable in all of the rooms of the Torah. So that has an attraction to it. That has an attraction to it so that people always learn Rabbi Nachman surreptitiously. You know, Litvaks, I mean, people in yeshivas, they, like under the shtender, they learned Rav Nachman, here, there, right? it was like, but, but nobody joined, there wasn't anything to join, it's only recently that there's, uh, uh, that there are enough Braslo Hasidim in the world that they can fight with each other, this is a new thing, this is, uh... anyway, Rav Nachman of Braslo, the Torah of Rav Nachman of Braslo that he wrote, is found in a book called Lekutei Maharan. Lekutei Maharan, and that book is divided into two parts. The first part is called Chelek Aleph, and the second part is called Chelek Base. Excellent. The other two books, originally they were published separately, but sub- subsequently they were bound together as a, in one volume, and that's the way they've been sold ever since. The Brasil was published, the Lekutei Maharan, in every possible size. Right, you have the bus size, the learning in the yeshiva size, there's the table, coffee table size, the, whatever size you want, you can get Likudde Maran. And now they put it out uh, vocalized. I remember when I first learned uh, Nachman, it, it was all unvocalized. It made it a, a little more exciting, but you didn't always get it right. Now all the editions of Likudde Maran are vocalized, and it's really very good. So, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to learn together a section from a Torah. And in the Torah, this section is not the most important part. But, exerting the section, for us, it becomes of tremendous significance. He's trying to explain, what he's trying to explain is what the power of the tzaddik is 
to encourage atonement for Am Yisrael. You know, it's a recurring theme in Hasidut. It's a recurring theme in Hasidut that the Tzadikim are not only special people, that they are able to live a special kind of life, but they're able to influence, they're able to influence what's going on around them. And at times they're able if, to influence heaven. You know, everybody knows that the Badichiva, Rav Levi Yitzvah Badichiva, would always uh, defend the Jewish people. And it was felt that, that his defense, that his ability to defend the Jewish people was extraordinary. And that we, we, we got we tangible benefits from the fact that Rav Levi Yitzchak was on our side. So this is not only Rav Levi Yitzchak. Tzadikim, the true Tzadikim, one of their functions is to look out for Klal Yisrael. And even though everybody knows that Birkat Edyot is meaningful, so that even if a person is not a tzaddik, goes over and gives another person a bracha, good health, good fortune, you should raise your children well, but a bracha. So the Gemara says that that bracha should not be taken lightly. Don't think that it goes unnoticed in heaven. Which is why we have this minhag that we keep saying mazel tov all the time, mazel tov, you know, many times it's a simcha. So imagine if it's true that a hediot, that a regular person, gives a bracha and it's noticed in heaven. So it's not so hard to imagine that if a tzaddik gives a bracha, that it surely would be noticed in heaven. Surely would be noticed in heaven. So the topic that Rav Nachman has in this Torah, which is called Anochi, Anochi Hashem Lokecho, it's in Simon Dalet. And this we're reading the paragraph that's numbered Zayin. So he says, he says that the, the, the tzaddikim, and Moshe Rabbeinu for him was the ultimate model, right, for him, for Rav Nachman. Like Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu showed us the way. And this story about Moshe Rabbeinu's defense of Am Yisrael becomes critical for Rav Nachman's understanding of how the tzaddik interacts with the people. And so he says this, Bishvil Zeh. I mean, he explained that above. He explained the tzaddik, the interaction, etc. So that brings you an example. Shitpalel Moshe al-Chaita Egel Amar. Because of the special position that Moshe Rabbeinu had in the world at that time. Right? Because he was able to push for atonement. He wasn't just arguing with God, but he was the ultimate tzaddik. And as such, his word counted, so to speak. So he says, Now that's our apostle, right? So he says, this is what Moshe Rabbeinu said. And now he goes on to explain. What did Moshe Rabbeinu really say? That in the Hebrew of, uh, of Rav Nachman means it's not possible. This cannot be avoided. Right? What's this? Something. He's going to tell you what. 
You can't avoid it. It's like feeling good about yourself at some time. Lacking a little humility. Right? Feeling a little haughty. You get the prize. They invite you to, to do what you wanted to do. They let you sit in an honored place. So you feel, hey, finally, finally everybody realizes that I'm a very important person. <coughs> so Rav Nachman says, Every person has this trial. Every person. There's a, there's a time when he suddenly feels, oh, they noticed me. Oh, everybody knows who I am. Everybody feels that way. And when you're sitting at the dinner, you know, the dinner, you gave a million dollars, they made a dinner in your honor, and they say, they don't say you gave a million dollars. They say, oh, you're exotic, and you're in Hamlet Chochem, and you're the, like the beacon of light for the Jewish people. I mean, that's what they say. They don't say, wow, you already made another check. <laughs> so the guy sitting there, he's saying, you know, I, I never thought of it. I guess it's true. That's what everybody's saying, you know. I guess I'm, I'm a lot more important than I thought I, thought I was. He says, Kol Shiket, how much more so? Kishemelech gadol mishabeach ufa'er ta'adam. How much more so is this true? If a king comes to the dinner and says, oh, the honored guest, he's my best friend, I don't make a move without him, I solicited his advice, I talked to him on the phone three times a week, I mean, that's really something. So the king comes to your dinner and says, the king comes to your dinner. The king comes to your dinner. How are you? Good. The king comes to your dinner and he says, this is a great guy. So, so a little bit you believe, right? You know that he's put that it's a put up job, but it doesn't matter. You're smiling. You, I mean, you think it fits. You think it's you know like even though he's getting paid to talk, but I like it. He says, "As I so there's no way that you can avoid feeling a lack of humility at that moment. Like you suddenly you feel." I am better than the other people. I, I am really more talented than they are. You feel that. About Sarif Lazer, when you confront this kind of challenge, Sarif Lazer bitul kol argashotav v'chamri yotav. He says, what has to happen is that we have to be able to do away <coughs> with these feelings and with this chomri, uh, uh, with this attitude that has to do with uh, with the chomer in me, with the what's chomer? What? Yeah, like the the. It was my tendency to the baser things in life, right? You know, like everybody's like a seesaw. You can either be more spiritual, be more involved in mitzvahs and davening. Or you could be, uh, like, you know, you could eat lunch all day. I mean, 
It's not awesome. It's not awesome to eat lunch all day. It's just that it's, it may not be the best use of your time. Right? But you could do that. Adam, A person who is able to overcome the negative feeling of the lack of humility. Azai. So the, the Rav Nachman of Braslav says this. Like a Baal Musa. The Nachman Braslav says, look, everybody's put to the test. Everybody has the test of humility. Comes up in his life. So you have to prepare for it. You have to be able to understand that humility is the important thing. And that haughtiness is, a, is almost like a disease. It destroys your ability to maintain the high spiritual level that you'd like to, like to maintain. That's what, that's what Rav Nachman says. And then he says, we can overcome it. You can work on it. You can think about it. You can learn about it. And so when the test comes, and somebody starts praising you at the dinner, you're really not that impressed with yourself. You know who you are, and you understand that this is just a dinner, and that's how it works. And, and you're able, so the Rav Nachman says that first step, always in Mutzar, the first step is to recognize the issue, to recognize the problem, that there's a problem exists. And here Rav Nachman says it's a universal problem, that applies to every single person in the world. The second thing Rav Nachman says is, that you can overcome it. You can, you can live with it. Because you can train yourself not to be haughty. So listen. Moshe He says, this was the story of Moshe Rabbeinu. The story of Moshe Rabbeinu, about whom the Torah says, Anav, we call it Anav, right? He was the most humble. So the story of Moshe Rabbeinu is the story of a lack of humility. Imagine that. Listen to what Rav Nachman says. Kamo Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was on our Sinai. Forty days and forty nights he learned the whole Torah. From HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What was written in the Torah? By the Be'er Hashem. El Moshe Lemo. By how many times? Tens. In other words, the Torah didn't have to say that. The Torah could have said, But didn't they write, It could have been, Didn't they write that in the Torah? The Torah could have written, But that's what the Torah said, and that's what Moshe Rabbeinu saw. Israel, Korim called Yom Batarash Moshe, and all the Jewish people read the Torah every day, and it keeps saying Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, like Vuhu Batsmo Misaper Lahem Shvachav, and he Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, of course, there's a little collapse here of, uh, of chronology, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I'm not going to do what he was doing when he came to that. He says, Who teaches the Torah to B'nai Israel? 
Moshe Rabbeinu. So how does he come in? He says, oh, here's the new piece of Torah we have for today. So who's, so who's saying, I'm a great guy? Moshe Rabbeinu is saying about himself. Because that's what it says in the Chumash. And that's what he's teaching. B'nai Yisrael, B'sapel ha'em shmachav. V'lo yalem Moshe, shum itpa'arut v'gadlut m'zeh k'moshe katuv, Ba'ish Moshe Anav Ma'ot. But we know that even though Moshe Rabbeinu had this opportunity to default on humility, he didn't. And the Torah tells us that in spite of the fact that he taught the Psukim and it said, Moshe Rabbeinu did not succumb to the lack of humility. Ubevadai, Moshe Rabbeinu said, uh, that Rabbi Nachman says, Ayyidei anvitanuto, Ayyakov biyad Moshe lechaper, avon ha'egel, k'moshe katu, v'posek v'mishtai, v'ish chacham yechaprena. So, he could have ended here. What did he say? He said, when Moshe Rabbeinu came, it says forgive them he came with the power of humility and the power of humility surely is going to work so what is it it's very nice he told us about Moshe Rabbeinu and he tells us about humility and he tells us about an issue but, but what, is this, what is the Pesach saying what does that mean we're not, we're not any closer to understanding what those words mean, so now here, Rav Nachman. You see it? It's uh, five-eighths of the way down. The first words on the line, Zeshita'an Moshe. Ve'mayin, Ve'mayin, Ha'inu imloti sochatatam. Moshe, Ve'mayin, Ha'inu imloti You do not forgive them. What do I understand from this? Moshe Rabbeinu said, "Sheaimli kol kach anivut." That there's something wrong with me, because if I was who Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to be, and what is that? The anav mikol adam. If I was truly humble, then I would certainly be able to secure atonement for B'nai Yisrael. And if I can't uh, uh, get this atonement for B'nai Yisrael, it must be that there's something wrong with me, with Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Imayin, if you don't forgive them, there's something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? I lack the humility. Not that I have no humility, but I lack the humility necessary to get atonement for B'nai Yisrael. And therefore I ask of you, Imayin, Mecheni na misivricha. What does mecheni na misivricha mean? You know those psukim that say by Yom Hashem and Moshe Eimor. They must have been the cause for the lack of humility that I have. Therefore, I want to go back to where I should be. 
How can I go back to where I should be? The Chaini no Akadosh Baruch Hu, please erase my name from the book of the Torah so that I will then have the humility necessary to argue the case on behalf of B'nai Israel. And I know that if I argue the case with the proper amount of humility, that my case, my argument will be accepted in heaven. Shani ro'eve shomea Moshe Rabbeinu said, Every time I look, I see, I know the Torah Baal Peh. And I see by Yom HaShem Moshe Lemor. Moshe Rabbeinu says. Who could, who could see this and, and not think well of himself? Who could see all that mention of, of my name in the Torah and not think that I'm really important? that a person could listen to the Torah, talk about Moshe Rabbeinu again and again, and not feel some lack of humility there someplace. In lo anav gadol. Right? In lo anav gadol. Who's going to be affected first? The great, humble one, which is Moshe Rabbeinu. But if I was truly anav, tzarich Surely you would forgive them. Vimaniyanav tzarich l'chashetichat sichatatam shekatuv over al pesha l'sheimit. So Rav Nachman told us, Rav Nachman told us that Moshe Rabbeinu was the designated leader of Am Yisrael. The designated leader appointed by a Kodesh Baruch, not because he could see in a compass which way was north or which way was east, not because he was an organizer, and not because he could get the Mishkan built, and not because he was able to teach B'nai Yisrael, but his special quality, according to Rabbi which the Torah says, was his humility. And humility in man is a kind of perfection. It's a kind of perfection. I always say, the Torah, when the Torah speaks about the creation of man, the Pasuk says, Nase Adam B'tzalneinu Chidmusen. And Rashi says, why plural? Why plural? What's the answer? Anvetanuto that it's the humility of God. God consulted, so to speak, with the angels in heaven about the creation of man. So, of course, since we are all sophisticated philosophically, I mean, what, is that, what does humility, what does God's humility mean? What do those two words mean? So I think that what Rashi meant to say was that HaKadosh Bohu created humility when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created man and gave man an opportunity and said you want to be the great man slash woman right or woman slash man but I come from that era when people still said men you know like they weren't afraid of the repercussions so so uh, so humility Humility is the middle which enables man to get the most out of himself. 
And it's not so hard to understand. Because humility, humility means that you're focused on your relationship with God. This is like, you know, like, if you, could, if you think that where you sit is important, or you think that uh, uh, how people speak to you, or how, what they call you, right, what titles they affix to your name, if you think that's important. So you're like in Olam Hazet. You're like deeply admired in, in Olam Hazet. But humility, humility is not a negative thing. It's not that you say, I'm not interested in that, or I should. What you're saying is that you're interested in something much more important than that. And so it happens to all of us. We know that. You know, sometimes we look at somebody else, ah, why is he interested in that? That's nothing. But, you know, I'm interested in the real important stuff. <coughs> but humility means that I'm interested in God. So Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Harsinai. Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Harsinai and he said, well, you know, I'm dying. I'm only I'm with God. I'm with God. So nothing else matters. There's nothing else you can get. But there's nothing, you know. I remember Augustine Zechariah used to say he was a very he he, he had this yeshiva in uh, what was it called? Medzaf Israel. Medzaf Israel. Yeah. And this yeshiva was a very simple person. I mean, he was brilliant and a great uh, Torah scholar, but like he was a simple person and he, he never, he was never so interested in his kavod, you know, like, uh, he was, wasn't like that, he, he was, he was so regular, so somebody asked him once, how come you act like that? The other Rashi Yeshiva all act like, they're big shots, and you're a big Rashi Yeshiva and you act like you're regular. He says when I was, uh, he said to them, when I was 19 or 20, I don't remember what, he was very young. <coughs> what? He was appointed a dayan in Vilna in the Besden of Rav Chaim Oza. I appointed a, a dayan. And when he came to the Besden, the first time he came to the Besden, all the other dayanim stood up for him. He was 20. And they all stood up. The new dayan has arrived. So he said, after that, well, what could I get? I mean, what? So, so, so it's true that there's this relativistic aspect to humility. Humility doesn't just mean you quash what you are. You say, I'm not going to want it. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to. That's not what humility is. Humility is that you have another agenda. You're someplace else, and you can't worry about the things that people seem to worry about all the time. So if Moshe Rabbeinu was appointed as the leader of B'nai Yisrael to bring them from Mitzrayim until uh, Eretz Canaan, there's no doubt that he had the capacity to be successful. If he didn't have the capacity, he would not have been appointed. I mean, it, that's what an appointment means from a Kaddish Baruch. It's not like you vote in democracy. Moshe Rabbeinu was appointed because Moshe Rabbeinu could do it. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu knew that if he, if he pleaded the case for B'nai Yisrael, he would be successful. Because he was appointed to be successful, but there was a proviso. Why was he appointed? Because he had this quality of humility, which in heaven 
seems to go a long way. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Moshe Rabbeinu said, if you forgive B'nai Yisrael, okay. But if you don't forgive B'nai Yisrael, the fault is obviously mine. Because I was appointed to defend B'nai Yisrael. I was appointed to be their defense attorney. And if I was appointed to be the defense attorney, the defense has to work. It can't be that it's not going to work. So it must be that from the time that I was appointed until now, I've diminished, I've, I've lost something. I've lost a little of the humility. Where was it that Moshe Rabbeinu could have lost the humility? Only by reading the Torah on Har Sinai for 40 days before the eyes read by the Barashel of Moshe Rabbeinu, he was able to understand. He would be honored in his generation, in all generations, and it must have had a little bit of effect on him. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, of course, you are not going to brought to Mechani no Mesifrichon. Allow me. Moshe Rabbeinu, to return to what I should be in order that my defense of Am Yisrael should be successful. I've always thought that this was a wonderful shot. If you summarize, see Rashi says, V'cheni nami sefer Torah And there's no doubt that Rav Nachman of Bratzler was thinking about Rashi. And in spite of the fact that the Baal Yatosis asked that question, there was no Sefer Torah, but for Moshe Rabbeinu there was a Sefer Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu learned the whole Torah in Arsina before he came down with the Luchos and saw the Chaita Egel. So Moshe Rabbeinu knew that there might be a blemish in his ability to maintain the standard of humility that HaKadosh Baruch Hu demanded of him. If you don't forgive them, it's my fault, obviously. I've, I've, I've lost something. In order that I should return to be Moshe Rabbeinu and be able to demand and receive atonement for B'nai Yisrael at this time. Have a good chance.